0: Thank you for listening to this lunchtime talk produced by the Art Gallery of South Australia. In this live recording, the Art Gallery's Assistant Curator of Prints, Drawings and Photographs, Alice Clanahan, discusses Christo and John Claude's Wrapped Coast, 1 million square feet, Little Bay, Sydney, Australia, 1968 to 1969. Nina money everyone, welcome to this lunchtime talk today. Today we're on Ghana country and I'd just like to acknowledge Ghana elders past and present and extend that welcome to any First Nations people who are here with us today. There's seats up the front if you guys want to come and sit down. If, for those of you who don't know me, I am Alice Clanahan. I'm the Assistant Curator of Prints, Drawings and Photographs at the Gallery and today I'm going to be talking about uh, this work over there in the corner, the large photograph um, that has documented The Wrapping of Little Bay in Sydney, a work by uh, Jean-Claude and Christo executed in 1969. And because of the ephemeral nature of this work in its iteration that it was first presented, um, in which an area of the coastline of Sydney was physically wrapped in fabric, the way in which we now can see and kind of reimagine the wrapping of Little Bay in Sydney is through uh, photographic representation. And it is, that's the reason in which we can include this work in AGSA's collection hang here in gallery six of post-1945 Australian art. Um, so these, uh, this work, it was a limited edition photograph and at the time that Jean-Claude and Christo carried out the wrapping of Little Bay, they commissioned these limited ed- edition photographs. Um, the photograph, as you can see, has been included in this constellation hang to my left and um, the rest of the works are works on paper from the EXA collection as well. And the first thing that you'll probably notice when looking at these works is that most of the works are by Aboriginal artists and that they mark a call to action. Uh, you'll look at works that are highlighting awareness of Aboriginal land rights, uh, of voting rights, that those works that document protest movements, those that um, are focused on uh, deaths in custody, for instance. And what you'll also notice, if you look closely at these works, is a lot of them were made to celebrate um, or in reaction to the celebrations of the 1988 bicentenary of Australia. Uh, my colleague Maria, the Associate Curator of Prince Drawings and Photographs, um, she's responsible for um, this hang here, and she has, I think, provided us with a provocation um, that Christo and Jean- Jean-Claude's project can be interpreted here as a political act, whereby the monumental scale of shrouding and wrapping a Sidley coastline can link in with the myth of Terranolius, the British assumption that Australia was nobody's land, and Maria also mentioned yesterday when I was talking to her about her inclusion of this work in this display, that she felt there were visual similarities between the photograph of Aboriginal activist Gary Foley unwrapping uh, his, um, his flag at La Perouse uh, in Sydney in 1988. Here for me, printmaking and photography serve really to document landmark events in Australian history. And some are signifiers of landmark events in Australian art. For example, um, the photograph up here by Tracy Moffat, Some Lads Too, um, was shown in the NIDOC 1986 exhibition of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander photography, um, which was the first exhibition of Indigenous photography ever held in Australia. To me, it makes sense that, um, you know, here we also have Mervyn Bishop's photograph of Gough Whitland Pouring, um, pouring soil into the hand of Vincent um, Lingiari down at the bottom. Um, and that that sits alongside Jean-Claude and Christo's Wrapping of Little Bay, because both of these works as photographs have now um, become uh, works of iconic status in themselves, even though they were made to document landmark events in Australian history. So, The Wrapping of Little Bay. In 1969, it was a piece of public sculpture that was monumental in scale. But I don't think that at that time anyone involved would have predicted just how much this work of art, which was temporary in its iteration, would have impacted the future of Australian art practice. In this talk today, I will introduce you to Christo and Jean-Claude and talk a bit about uh, that process and what happened to Little Bay at that time. Jean-Claude and Christo, who are a couple couple in life and in art, uh, were both born famously on the same day, 13th of June, 1935. They met and married in Paris and then migrated to the United States. Christo being Bulgarian, born, and Jean-Claude being born in Morocco to French uh, parents. Since 1961, the two have been collaborating on large-scale outdoor public sculpture projects involving ambitious um, alterations of public spaces. Since um, uh, the 1950s, Christo had been making wrapped works um, with smaller domestic objects And one of their earliest works together involved the wrapping of barrels and large objects in cloth and rope, which were installed for a few weeks um, in a harbour in Cologne. Other larger wrapped barrel works in Germany were expressions of the artists' views on the Cold War and the Berlin Wall, which at the time was being constructed. And in 1968, the artists' Created a massive, um, I think it was 85 metre large scale inflatable work called 5600 cubic metre package. And that was installed for documenter number four in Castle in 1968. So, since the 1960s, Jean Claude and Christo have created over 18 major public works together. Um, some of you may have experienced a Christo and Jean Claude work. Uh, in the flesh. There was um, the yellow polypropylene floating piers at Lake Iseo in Italy in 2016, um, the wrapped Reichstag uh, in 1995, um, or the beautiful pink floating surrounded islands in the Bay of Biscayne in um, Miami and Florida in the early 1980s. I'm just, just out of interest, has anyone here seen one of those works? No? Yes? Which one? This one, The Wrapping of Little Bay in Sydney. Well, maybe we can chat a bit later. That would be great. So, this Wrapping of Little Bay in Sydney was the first um, of Jean-Claude and Christo's iconic wrapped landscape projects, and they continued to be realised for future decades. And it was the project that launched Caldor Public Art Projects. Um, John Caldor, the art lover and philanthropist, went on to realise other projects in Australia with international artists such as Nam June Pike, Sol LeWitt, Richard Long, Jeff Koons, Rebecca Beecroft, Ugo Rondononi, Bill Viola, Santiago Serra, Michael Landy, Thomas Demand, and Marina Abramovich. Caldor was in his early 30s when he met Christo and Jean Claude in New York in 1968. So he'd seen images of this incredible floating, inflatable work at um, Documenta and Castle. And he went into a gallery in um, in New York and he, um, he asked for the phone number of Jean-Claude and Christo and rang them up. He went to visit them and this became... That's fine. This became a, um, a relationship which... Um, which was really rested on the ambition and courage of both artists and, and patron to set up this vil- vision for Calder Public Art Projects. Uh, Calder has said that Christo mentioned to him once that a project is a success when it is larger than the imagination. Yesterday, I was reading the original letter that John Calder sent to Christo in February 1969. And the idea uh, for Christo and Jean-Claude coming to Australia began actually very modestly, um, John explaining that the company he worked for had provided funds for an art scholarship which supported Australian artists to study overseas. And his idea was to invert this and invite Christo and Jean-Claude to Australia, to Melbourne and Sydney, um, so that local artists and, um, and the public here would benefit from their presence. So John suggests that Christo could give some public lectures um, and he would arrange an exhibition on his behalf. But Jean-Claude and Christo said they didn't want to do an exhibition or a lecture. Uh, Christo said his English really wasn't good enough to lecture and um, what they really wanted to do was uh, realize a project that they had already begun thinking about. They said, we want to wrap a piece of coastline. What eventuated was Wrapped Coast, Little Bay, One Million Square Feet, Sydney, Australia, which is the official name of uh, this work. And it was one of the most ambitious experiments in land art anywhere in the world at the time. Um, And it was also a work which uh, really influenced a generation of Australian artists and heralded, heralded the conceptual art movement of the 1970s in Australia. Christo and Jean-Claude originally intended to uh, have a wrapped coastline, which they called a packed coast, um, on a site in California. Um, And it was an idea they had been working on since 1967. But with Calder's support and enthusiasm, uh, they were encouraged uh, to take the project to Sydney, where John Calder found a site um, by negotiating with the Prince Henry Hospital, who owned the property of Little Bay... Um, which was 14 kilometers southeast of, um of Sydney. Uh, Cowder um, kind of recounts how he... Uh, how in the 1960s the coastline around Sydney was owned by government, navy, military kind of, um, and operations, and he went from office to office asking, um, you know, the different kind of proprietors of these organisations if he could have permission to borrow a piece of the coast And um, basically, he spent two or three months doing that and everybody turned him down. Um, He, you know, he found Prince Henry Hospital um, and approached the director at the hospital. Uh, That hospital was actually a quarantine for infectious diseases. So he approached the director of the hospital who said, uh, well, it's a terrible idea, but you can pay for the insurance and if you charge a small fee as a donation to the hospital, you can use our grounds. Um, so that's what they did and Christo and Jean-Claude financed this project um, entirely by selling preparatory drawings, collages and some of their smaller scale objects. The material used for the wrapping was extensively tested. Originally it was some of the drawings showed kind of a, a black plastic and then it became this lighter um, kind of heavy cloth. But um, eventually, the the artist decided on a synthetic polypropylene fabric, uh, which was actually custom made in Australia, and it was bolted together to form an area of one million square feet or, in the metric, 90,000 square metres, and it was an erosion control cloth. Um, A retired major um, from the army was in charge of the workers at the site, and... The 2.5-kilometer stretch of coastline was wrapped in 56 kilometers of rope, and it had 25,000 fasteners, studs and clips that were used to achieve this work. One of the most kind of interesting things about this project, I think, is that it literally brought, brought hundreds of people together. Over a hundred workers worked for four weeks on the site, including 15 professional climbers. Um, and the rest of the team were made up from artists, educators, and art and architecture students from the University of Sydney and East Sydney Technical College. Uh, All of the workers were paid except for 11 students who refused payment. Daniel Thomas, who was the curator um, of Australian art at the Art Gallery of New South Wales at the time, said that Christo was a real charmer, And um, he even enlisted the help of men who worked at a rubbish dump nearby to volunteer their time um, to work on the project. Each of the pieces of fabric were walked by hand down the coast, unrolled, draped over the cliffs, and fastened. It was a collaborative sense in all all senses of the world, a truly collaborative project, Um, and it's something that I think really drove uh, Jean-Claude and Christo it was um, their, kind of, their idea that this project be free from anarchist labour and it was really a triumph of the power and collective agency. And so they really talk about um, how open they were with the people they worked with and, um, and I think that was something that was uh, really driving force for the, for the artists on the project. So this is what was described in the Sydney Morning Herald when the project was being carried out. Yesterday was the gully wrapping day. From the top of the cl- cliff overlooking the gully, you could see students, many wearing beards and headbands, swarming along the cliff, sure-footed as goats, carrying rope and unwinding sheets of uh, unwinding rolls of sheet plastic. The girls were sewing the strips together with wrapping twine and enormous, wicked-looking needles. And a headline in the Australian called it. Putting the long hairs and the hippies to work. The project also had many haters. There were hospital nurses um, at the site who threatened to strike because they'd heard a rumour that the hospital had funded the project. Um, the site was also subject to arson on many occasions. And the controversy around the wrapping of Little Bay um, impacted the relationship between Calder and the company Universal Textiles who he was working for and he, during the course of this, resigned. For the artists, though, uh, for Jean-Claude and Christo, the wrapping of Little Bay was what they describe as a gentle disturbance of nature for a short time. So the work could be experienced for 10 weeks in late 1969 and then Little Bay was returned to normal. In those 10 weeks, thousands came to see Little Bay under its cloth and they paid a 10 cent fee to enter the site where they could walk or sunbathe on the cloth covered rocks and there's really beautiful photographs of people um, just laying out and, um, and sunbathing. Uh, the wrapping really emphasised the topographic um, kind of uh, content of the site and as a visitor you could walk from one side to the other kind of all two and a half kilometres. Um, Daniel Thomas also talks about the sculpture changing with the weather. He says that there were times when storms would tear through the fabric and that soft breezes would make the work kind of ripple and in sunlight the the fabric on the rocks would kind of glimmer out to sea. Interestingly, Jean-Claude described this project with Christo as a scream for freedom. She was integral not only as a creative partner and a collaborator, but it was really her skill in planning and financing that um, enabled this project to be carried out. Um, crucially, their, Jean-Claude and Christo's method of personally financing their projects entirely allowed them to remain fiercely independent and also kind of free from institutional reliance. Um, Their practice was also concerned with the kind of uh, environmental considerations of the landscape and they made sure there were no impacts at all on the coastline and they reused all of the fasteners and and the fabric they'd used through the wrapping of Little Bay. At the same time the project was being carried out, Uh, Christo and Jean-Claude had an exhibition at a gallery in Sydney of drawings and collages and they included um, some of Christo's um, prep drawings for this work And objects such as wrapped roses and hay bales. Um, Because of um, obviously the ephemeral nature of the work, photographs uh, were organized by Jean Claude and Christo. And um, they were, photographs, including this one, were produced by a collaborative team uh, called Harry Schunk and um, his Hungarian born partner, Janos Kender. Harry Schunk was a German photographer and Schunk and Kenda um, really made a name for themselves in the late 60s and early 70s by travelling the world and documenting um, biennials, biennales, large-scale exhibitions and they met Christo and Jean-Claude in Paris in the early 1960s and became this kind of part of their tight-knit circle and I think it was more or less of a kind of formal collaboration and more of a, a friendship type collaboration. After completing um, this uh, work, Jean-Claude and Christo went to Melbourne and they um, staged an exhibition at the NGV in Melbourne called Wool Works in which uh, 75 wool bales were stacked inside the gallery and there were two truckloads of wrapped bales that were arranged in the gallery's forecourt. Wrapped Coast actually started living on through photographic documentation quite soon after the project was finished. In 1972, a photograph similar to the Wrapped Coast photograph here was included in the exhibition The Australian Landscape, the landmark exhibition um, that was curated by Ian North, which opened at the Art Gallery of South Australia and then toured the country in the following year. And in 1990, at the Art Gallery of New South Wales and in 2003, Um, John Calder again collaborated with Christo and Jean-Claude and brought works to um, these respective exhibitions of their sculptures and drawings. When I um, began to kind of research and think about um, Wrapped Coast and Australian art, I realised that this work came at a pivotal moment and um, it firmly legitimised conceptual art as an art practice, both to... Uh, artists, art students, and also to the public. It also occurred in a point of history when um, significant events were kind of precipitating change in society. I was thinking about other events synonymous with 1969, including kind of Woodstock, and you know, the height of um, protests against the Vietnam War, and um, Armstrong landing on the moon. I also... Thought about what was happening in art in 1969, and I realised that it was um, the year in which Gilbert and George uh, performed their first singing sculpture in London. Um, it was when Sol LeWitt published an essay on conceptual art, and it was also the year that the landmark exhibition um, opened in the Kunststall in Berlin When Attitudes Become Form. Um, a landmark exhibition of conceptual art. So, it really, this work was in keeping with um, things that were happening in art and wider society at the time. What is so interesting about the wrapping of Little Bay in Australia is it really reversed the idea that Australian artists needed to travel overseas to experience works of this kind of magnitude and um, conceptual works of this scale. And it reversed the idea that Australia was a cultural backwater and the best art was in Europe or New York. Um, And I think that the generosity and collaborative spirit of Jean-Claude and Christo influenced a generation of artists and art lovers and really influenced um, art students at a time when their practice um, was just beginning. One of um, the most famous um, artists who worked Um, as part of uh, Jean-Claude and Christo's team is Emance Tillers, who was an architecture student at the time. And another university student who worked on Wrapped Coast was Vivian Sharp, who owned this photograph here. It was in her personal collection, and she donated it to the gallery in 2016. And we're very thankful that she did so. Um, I might leave it there. If anyone has any questions, I'd be happy to answer any. I'd just like to know that the cloth... You know where they were sewn together. Were they sewn together first, before they then were rolled out over the rocks, or were they placed over the the rocks and then then sewn together as, as a slow sort of progress type work? My understanding is that um, the rolls of fabric were transported in smaller pieces to the site because that was more manageable, and then they were sewn together um, on the um, on the grass near it and then draped and rolled out once they were sewn together. Thank you all.